Good morning. Thank you so much for letting me do this and having me here. Uh, I wanted to first start by sharing with you uh, someone this week who I, I really respect and admire asked me a question. When we were speaking of the Dharma and she said to me, why are you doing this? She said, I mean, what do you hope to accomplish? What's the point? Like, what's the point for you? And honestly, I was taken off guard because I didn't, um, I didn't expect the question. And I, I watched my mind search for an acceptable, like a viable answer. And then I realized that there wasn't an answer because when something is your, your heart's wish, there really isn't any intellectual answer that makes sense. It's, it's really just like a conviction. It's like you're a conviction like of love, really, for me. And it's simple. Um, why do I do this? What do I hope to accomplish? I hope, uh, no, I believe that when we share the Dharma together, we can, we can see the beauty of who we truly are. We can get to that. Especially, I think now that is so important while the world, our external environment, is in such turmoil. Every day, every day someone comes to me and says, uh, or, or texts me or emails me and says that they feel angry and they feel sad or lost or depressed or um, just scared, really. A lot of people are feeling really scared of course they are. This is not an easy time for us. However, when, when I really look at it, when we all really look at this life, we can see that um, pandemics are not new. It's true. Wars are not new. Political unrest is not new. Um, economic hardship is not new. And suffering is not new. And Buddha said, uh, of course, most of you know, in the Four Noble Truths, this is the first noble truth, all, all life is dukkha, all life is suffering. But that, that's so heavy, right? That's so heavy, all life is suffering. So how do we respond to this question? How do we, how do we see this life for what it actually is? How do we see the suffering or beyond the suffering? So I don't believe we can see it. What I mean is that we can't see the beauty until we see the beauty of who we are within ourselves first. Then we can see beyond the suffering. In our scripture book, in our one Buddhist scripture book, if you open it up, it says, everywhere a Buddha image, every act a Buddha offering. 
But I think that when we hear or see those words everywhere, a Buddha image, we're always looking outward, right? So that image of that beautiful tree, that's Buddha. Or, you know, that, that wonderful spiritual person, that's Buddha. Or that beautiful flower, that's Buddha. But guess what? We, there are no images that we can see outside of ourselves. Nothing. By the very mechanics of how our vision, um, our human vision is constructed and our brain is constructed, we cannot see images outside of ourselves. We can only see them within ourselves. So um, imagine, imagine the image that's created or the, the image that's created or outside of ourselves, like the world, how the world will look if we see through our own true mind, our, you know, the circle above my head, our ill one song mind, our true beauty. So this is a mind of no discrimination and no judgment and no attachment. And a mind that understands our interconnection. If we see with this mind, we, there's no filter. There's nothing to distort our vision. And every act that's produced, so every act of Buddha offering is simply just that. It's not something we have to try to do. It's a natural response. We know the Buddha within. We respond to the Buddha that we think is without. This is wise. Wise choice is not a... It's not an effort. It's, it's just a natural. It's who we are. So I want to ask, have you ever um, stood in an ocean and looked at your feet? Everybody do that? That's the first thing I do. <laughs> when I go into an ocean, I was realizing that I look out into the beautiful ocean, but if I'm walking, I look for my, my toes. I want to see if I can see my toes in the water. So, you know, this water, this ocean is filled with sharp, you know, shells and creatures, all big and small creatures. It's filled with waves that can knock you off your feet, right? But still, I feel so good if I can just see my own toes. Why? Because I can navigate. Then I can navigate with confidence. I see with clarity. It's just like that. So in other words, I'm really just talking about our, of course, our conscious awareness, our wakefulness. And our interconnection. Um, and I would say uh, a practice of mine, or not a practice, a hobby of mine, is I love to look out into nature and into the world. Just for reference, I want to see how things are connected. How does everything, how does everything, how is everything intertwined? How does it all fit together? I want to share with you two discoveries that I found out that I think are really fascinating. And the first one is um, something called the Wood Wide Web. Have you ever heard of this? No? I love it. I've heard of it. The, <laughs> the Wood Wide Web is how, uh, how the forest is referred to. The trees. So 
instead of the World Wide Web, there's the Wood Wide Web. So the, um, there has been, you know, decades of study on, you know, on this, the communication between trees. It's really interesting. Uh, and they used to think it's re it was reactionary. You know, there wasn't anything much to it. But now they found out something really different and interesting. They found out that the trees have play favoritism. The trees um, are in competition. The trees have self-sacrifice. They have nepotism. They, they, it's fascinating. So, for instance, if you take, there's trees called mother trees. These trees will sacrifice their growth for their offspring. And they will also do something very interesting. When they're about to die, they will download their life essence, their carbon, before death into the ecosystem. And with that, they will also download their wisdom and their, their knowledge, so defense mechanisms into the, the environment. But what's fascinating is it doesn't just go into the ground, it goes directly to their seedlings first, no matter how far away they are. So directly to pass on the lineage. It's very interesting, right? And then even two trees that are in competition with each other, for light or for whatever reason, they will also, if one of those trees is hurting, the, the tree that's in competition will still give some of its life essence to support the other tree. And they will do that back and forth just to, even though they're in competition, even though there is, you know, sort of like a strife within this community, there's still harmony. There's still oneness. And how we connect to this is, of course, that every out-breath is an in-breath and vice versa with the trees or with the vegetation. And you'd think like our out-breath that it just lands, you know, it just hovers in the air. It doesn't. There is an exact and equal reflection of that out of that. So they are the second half of our lungs, really. It's fascinating. So we are in constant communication, constant uh, connection, and interdependency. The other, uh, the other thing that I find interesting is I heard a video just recently, and this man called Tom Chi. And he explained about our heartbeats, the connection of our heartbeat, right? What he said was fascinating. He said that um, our, our heart beats to pump hemoglobin throughout the body. But within that heartbeat is the iron atom, which they call like the little heart. However, there was in our universe originally, there was no iron. The iron has been created through you know, collision of stars to stars, like supernovas colliding have created iron. So that very same iron is within our very veins. So that star beats our hearts. So joint, it's fascinating how we are connected. So in other words, um, stars don't live outside of us. Trees also don't live outside of us.
And if I try to, um, if I try to then bring it back to my everyday life, which is kind of where we are all the time, right? Our everyday interaction, our everyday interconnection. Uh, I want to, I'll share with you just a personal story that I think is helpful. So this is a story about my husband and my children. And there was one day a few weeks ago, we were with family and we had a really busy day and my husband was really tired. So he was waiting in the car and my older son and I wanted to, we were just having so much fun and taking our time really slow and looking and everything it took forever to get back to the car. We got in the car and my husband was grumpy. He was grumpy. Right? So I've been married for a really long time and um, almost 30 years. And so I want to just say that I have been the grumpy one too many times. So he was really grumpy. So we go, we drive home. I, well, first of all, let me tell you that what is my response? What is everyone has had a relationship before? So what is our response? Your response wants to be, I want to look at him and go, what's your problem? Like, what's the matter with you? I'm happy, you know? But I didn't do that. I didn't. I was really good. I did my, my practice. My practice tells me, our practice tells us to stop, to take a breath, and to watch our minds. So I did that. I did that the whole way home. However, when we got home, he slammed the door and went inside the house. And I went, oh, I'm going to need to take another breath, right? So I say, I'm going to sit in the house. I'm going to take another, I mean, I'm going to sit in the car. I'm going to take another breath here. So, but my, my son didn't get out of the car either. Instead, he leaned, um, he leaned up from the back seat and he spoke into my ear. And he said, Mom, can I tell you a story Reverend Yu told me? Reverend Yu told me a long time ago. And I said, sure, yeah, of course you can tell me a story Reverend Yu told you. Um, and so he says, this is the story about the stone, the Buddha statue and the stone step. He said, there once was a Buddha statue high up on a mountain. And every day, countless amounts of men and women would go up all of these many, like hundreds of steps to get to this stone, this Buddha statue. And they went there to pay reverence and respect and, and, and make offerings to the Buddha. And one day, one of the stone steps got really angry. And he said, dear Buddha, why? We are both made of the same material. Why are you getting respected and reverence and I get ignored and stepped on? All the steps were really mad at this point. They all started to talk to Buddha. But Buddha, the Buddha statue, the Buddha statue just smiled. And with compassion, he said, because, he said, when you were made, it only took six cuts to make you. 
It took thousands upon thousands of cuts and firings and batterings to make me, to make me who I am today. So I sat in the car for a moment. My son just got out and went inside. And I realized, of course, that I had to thank my teachers. I had to thank Reverend Yu and my son. But I mostly had to thank my husband because he offered me the cut that day. Because anger, um, frustration, sadness, all of our arising emotions are very normal. It's just human. He, he had this, I had a reaction to him, and all of this arising happened. It was, the question was then, how was I going to see that cut, and how was I going to respond to it? That was what, was, what mattered. And can, so can we see this for what it is? What it is, is all it is, is simply communication, just like the trees just like our heartbeat and the stars. This is just communication. So we like to label this communication. We like to say, this is anger, and this is sadness, and this is frustration. But if we wipe away the labeling, it's really just our body's reaction to our environment. You think about that. Our body has a specific reaction for each one of these emotions, or, or our reaction to our thought. It's a reflection. And our body responds to, to tell us something. Only we can figure out what it's telling us, but it tells us where our discriminations lie and our attachments are. <clears throat> so I've said this before, but if we want to see divine, if you really want to see divine, it's here. It is in the every single arising emotion. That's where divinity is. That is, we get to see that as our teacher, as our literal communication. Then we get to choose how to respond if we can, we can catch that. So we are, we are literally give, we are given a Buddha offering with our arising emotion. And then we have to, communication is, goes both ways. And we have to say, like, what are we going to offer it in return? There's a, there's a quote by Megan Watterson, um, who wrote the Mary Magdalene Revealed. It's a book I love and highly recommend. It's about Mary Magdalene's gospel. And she says, I'm going to pick this up for a moment. She says, you human being, you, welcome. You're not alone. You're not odd or strange or actually different at all. You're meant to feel all of these things. And none of these feelings, these powers make you less holy. Can I say that again? So none of these feelings, these powers make you less holy. They connect you. They make you you. And this is the whole point of being here. 
to feel these horrible and hard, derailing things and to find your way back to love. So one, mo one emotion is not better than the other. One anger is not better than sadness, is not better than happiness, is not better than frustration. Every single one is an act of communication. But do we see that? Do we see our own beauty of being human with that? So if I take a breath here and I imagine what would have happened, what would have happened if I followed my husband into the house that day? What if I used the anger? What I mean by using the anger is, what if I wouldn't have listened to the communication? What if I just used it? Projected it. No response. Communication is the most fundamental need that we have to heal our relationships and to heal our world, and yet we have a hard time listening to ourselves. So what would have happened? Would this communication from my mind to my body stop? Would my arising emotions stop? If I went and, no, it wouldn't have stopped. I would have created more harm. You've created a lot of harm, uselessly, over what? Somebody being grumpy and slamming a door. But we do it, I've done it before more than I would like to admit, I'm sure. So think about the communication. Would my heartbeat slow down? Mm -mm. Would my tight muscles relax? No. Would my brow not be furrowed? No. It would have gotten much worse. Until what happens then? The anger dissipates but doesn't go away. It changes form, the communication changes. We then have what? We have guilt and sadness. Why? Because it's trying to teach us, trying to point to us that maybe that response was not listening. We didn't listen. So maybe we can listen this way. And guilt is not bad. I'm going to have a lot of wonderful experts disagree with me, but it's not. It's just trying to show us something, trying to teach us something. So this is, this. what's the cure? What would be the cure? The cure would be humility. I'm sorry. Then all of a sudden things relax. Our environment changes. And why is that? Because we're getting rid of our attachment and discrimination and we're actually starting to listen. So to close out my, my talk today, I began this talk by telling you that, um, that it's my heart's wish that we see our own beauty. And I hope that, I hope, I pray that 
that you see this, that we all see it, that we all wake to this, to wake to this simple communication, wake to these, this place where we have the ability to see ourselves and the world. We have the ability to choose compassion. We have the ability to see ourselves as Buddha, not because it's some fantastic place to get to, not because it's tomorrow's enlightenment, but because it's right now, and it's because it's who you actually are. So I hope, like I said, my heart's wish, I hope that you, we, you know what? <laughs> when I was a little girl, you just say, wish upon a star, right? You could wish upon a star. All you have to do now is listen to your own heartbeat. The light, you are the light. We are the light, literally, not figuratively. And with every heartbeat, I hope that that wish of who you are gets reinforced. And I am so grateful to be here with you today. So thank you.